you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I am Michael Smeltzer, and I am uh, excited to see my buddy Matt Hartwell. It's been a while. I've, I've been lonely, man. How are you, you beautiful creature? <laughs> I'm doing just uh, fantastic, my friend. I've been uh, suffering a little bit of withdrawal. You know, I w- didn't have you here to casually uh, bounce Michigan football and basketball topics off of uh, last week, so I was just alone with my thoughts. And uh, I'm ready to to let him out and have a good show here with you guys today. Well, you know, Matt, as much as I, I love and appreciate you, as is the case whenever we have three people on the podcast, you're the person I'm second most excited to talk with. I, I'm <laughs> sorry, man. So I, I, I'm super excited uh, to talk with Mr. Brian Boughton. Uh, Brian here has an amazing uh, Twitter account that I've been following. Uh, he's also with Blue by 90. And uh, I, I I always stay kind of in touch with Brian here for uh, the, his recruiting graphics and stats that he's always thrown out there, among other Michigan-related stuff. But uh, Brian, how are you, sir? I'm doing really good. Happy to be here tonight. It's always nice to talk a little Michigan football. I live down in Florida, surrounded by uh, SEC fans. So anytime I get the opportunity to talk some Michigan football, I'll eat it up. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah, Matt! You know how that is being surrounded by by Florida Gators. Yeah, very cool, Brian. I'm uh, also from the Sunshine State down here. You know, just uh, living it up, kind of the polar opposite, if you will, of of life in Michigan this time, especially mm-hmm. this time of year. But uh, kind of living the dream a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm surrounded by Gators, Gator fans. So well, they're Brian, proud of their, they're proud of their conference. They're proud of their team and. I think the whole uh, universe rotates around the SEC. So my in-laws, nice uh, my in-laws are alumni, Gator alumni. Oh, wow! So, uh, and then my cousin uh, on my mom's side is a uh, uh, FSU alum. So okay. I'm just deeply ingrained in all of this uh, Floridian football they got going on over here. Yeah, if you if you know me at all, if you you know follow the stuff I put out there closely, you'll know that. I dislike uh, Ohio State and uh, Michigan State quite a bit just from growing up for so long a Michigan fan. But Florida's not too far behind, and that was Florida was not on my map till I moved down here. But uh, being surrounded by that presence has made me root against them as much as we can. I, love I think it. I speak for every for every Michigan fan <laughs> when I say that the the only SEC team that doesn't really grind my gears has got to be like Vanderbilt maybe right because right? <laughs> they're right. just they're just out of the equation for the most part and random stat of the day but uh Michigan is 10 and 0 all times versus random versus Vanderbilt so you got that going for us man see this is why we have you on the show <laughs> Brian you we're, we're gonna have to just keep you around so you can throw these these uh interesting stats out and and uh before we jump into some of these talking points, but for our listeners, we've got a pretty cool show. For the most part, it's going to center around me and Matt just picking Brian's brain about recruiting and some other things. But before we jump all the way in, um, share with us, what is your relationship with Blue by 90? I see you doing, uh, you're a contributor with Blue by 90. I know I see you, I've listened to your podcast. And so uh, what are you doing with uh, those guys? Yeah, I uh, when they first started up, they reached out to me to do a little bit of content. I don't do that much with them. I you know behind the scenes, you know a lot of stuff I put out there. I provide them a lot of background stuff, you know. But uh, my schedule doesn't really allow me to put out as much stuff as they'd probably like me to. But just to talk about a great group of guys, a great group of people uh, that are running that site, and they seem you know it's off to a great start. And the numbers they do every day, whether it's CJ on the site or just you know everyone involved, it's it's uh, it's exciting to be play such a really, really small role there, uh, but be a part and watch what they're doing there. It's, uh, it's exciting. Well, I follow, you know, everything they're doing closely, everything Mm -hmm. you guys are doing closely. I know Matt does as well. And, um, you, you know, let's jump into some of the news cycle here. We've got, uh, luckily I was, I was kind of glad that we, we got you on this episode because yesterday I was 
you know, I, I've been kind of busy with some other stuff. I haven't been really tuned into the, to what's going on with Michigan, but I do have my 247 uh, text notifications anytime something big happens. And uh, sure enough, I, I was driving with my wife and she, she was talking about something completely non-football related. And I rudely interrupted her with, <laughs> with a, a loud, you know, Blake, Blake Frazier committed, you know? And so, <laughs> so we got uh, Blake Frazier, who is um, an offensive lineman at Vandergrift High School in Austin, Texas, uh, is, is, has now committed to Michigan. And um, honestly, I, I might have to double check. I don't even know which uh, spot he's playing on the line. Is he a tackle? Yeah, they, they view him and Andrew Sprague as tackles in the class. So they, they did really well. You know, one, one thing that I haven't seen talked about out there, but for anyone that doesn't know, Sean Moore, one of the best recruiters and coaches in the country, but he was a great offensive lineman himself at Oklahoma. And the last two uh, polls that he's, he's uh, landed in Sprague and Frazier are from Texas and Missouri. So, you know, just a sweet little bitterness to take somebody out of the state of Texas for him and Missouri is obviously close by too. So uh, definitely great to get, you know, those guys in. And Frazier's a legacy. His dad played with Tom Brady and uh, just a great get there. And, and, and yeah. he, that was a head-to-head battle of Florida, so that also helped him too. Yeah, and Matt, how are, you, how are you feeling about, I mean, best offensive line in the country, and it doesn't seem like we're slowing down anytime soon. How are you feeling? I'm feeling uh, great, Mike. And honestly, what I'm most excited about is when you look at the measurables of a lot of these offensive line targets that, uh, that Sharon Moore and company have reeled in, uh, it's all very interchangeable, it looks like. Like a lot of... Uh, it looks like they can be very dynamic with how they choose to play these guys along the offensive line. A uh, few of them could could possibly switch over to guard or tackle. You know what I mean? So there's not really a limitation based on position here with some of these guys, which I think is super crucial, especially when you consider the type of talent that they've got uh, coming in on that line now. So I'm super excited. Really, Brian, I wanted to pick your brain uh, what do you think with with what we they've reeled in so far? Are there any other offensive line targets that are big on on Michigan's board, or do you think they're going to kind of start to ease up on uh, on the trail a little bit? I I think you know they're in the unique spot. You know they have Sprague is undeniably a tackle. You had talked about Fraser. He definitely offers a position versatility. Um, they have Ben Roebuck, who's just a huge, massive, that guy's only can play tackle. And then Luke Hamilton, he's a guard. And so, uh, you know, you really are looking at a, a, a guard position or a swing tackle and a center. They feel really confident about the center that uh, is supposed to be announcing late this Friday. And Jake Garnera from Florida, another head-to-head battle with the Gators. Um, they feel really good about that. I think all signs indicate that, you know, he's already in the fold and it'll just be announcing on Friday. So that's that's their um center in the class they really like him as much as uh Jaden davis has pushed the walt claire flynn who's tearing up the camp circus circuit excuse me right now um i think they really like jake and then you know there's a couple of really big name guys out there that they're pushing for obviously the crystal ball leader for max anderson a really big strong tackle and if he wanted to commit today they'd take his commitment and make that work but they're they're trying to get brandon baker one of the top 30 prospects in the country the number one offensive lineman in the country from california here and and he's expressed a lot of interest in coming and obviously a guy of that caliber you hold the spot for so i, I think you know most of the numbers they're running they're saying uh, you know they're going to try to grab six or seven guys here so they're at four right five four or five right now and so there's probably a spot for one or two more Interesting. Well, let me take you guys let me take you guys back a couple weeks and mm. there was a picture that hit the the internet mm-hmm. that had had everybody really excited, and it was it was the coaching staff. I I want to say, I know Mike Hart was in it. I I want to say uh, Grant Newsom, Sharon Moore, and and there were four recruits in this picture, and it was, um, oh gosh, help me out here. It was Jordan it was, it was Jordan Jayden Marshall, Jaden Davis, Jordan Jordan. Marshall, uh, uh, Blake Frazier, and then I think the fourth was tight end Prescorn, right? That's exactly and, right. Yeah. And so now we, we've gotten three out of the four guys where I remember when that picture came out, everybody was like, oh my God, it would be a dream come true if we could just land everybody in the picture. And 
Well, sure enough, here we are. We've got three out of four, and uh, my understanding is Prescorn is is uh, leaning towards Michigan. Is that right? Yeah, I think all indications. I mean, I think they feel really confident about there. He's been making trips. Like he was in, he was at Old Misses uh, this past week, and he's been making the rounds. And you know, as he should, he's mostly the number two tight end in the country, depending on the site you're at. But uh, mm-hmm. I think all indications are they feel real confident. But you know, this is high school kids. Anything could happen. And he's a Michigan kid going out and seeing around the South and the Southeast and the Southwest. And um, I think he's going to continue to make uh, visits. I think he said all along that he's planning to. He's not in any hurry, and uh, so I think they feel really good. But like any high school recruitment, you never know till it's signed, signed, sealed, and delivered. I love how you say these are high school kids because I constantly have to remind myself of that mm-hmm. when I when I saw him doing his Ole Miss visit. I desperately wanted to tweet some derogatory things about Lane <laughs> Kiffin, and then I had to remind myself, "Oh wait, that, like I'm the adult in the room. Like, right. hang on, wait, let, let's right. hold back." Um, well, you know what? Uh, moving on from Blake Frazier, who I'm I'm sure is going to be. I mean, he's a beast. I mean, he, he even in high school he looks like he's big enough to play college O line already. Uh, moving on from him, uh, the NCAA came out with some interesting news about their visits. Right? I, mm-hmm. I think previously recruits were only allowed five official visits, and they they went ahead and lifted that and said it's actually unlimited now. So. I'm not really well versed enough in the recruiting nuances to know how that's going to impact uh, this recruiting at all. It, it, it appears to be good for the players, I think. But um, Brian, are, are you kind of tuned into the, those changes that are taking place? No, a lot other than just what I know about the history. I mean, the good the good part of it is that you know you had said that's good for the players, of course, right? The more they can get exposed and see these different schools, and not all of them can afford to fly all over the country and see the places they'd want to see, so they had to be very strategic about the five visits they took. Now, kids can go on as many visits as they, as they want if they're willing to pay for it, but how many people can afford to do that? And I think when that NIL came in, you know, it's, it's uh, people could help fund those unofficial visits. So rather than have that wonky deal of some people – paying their own way some nil contributors paying for people to get there they took that down so it allows kids a lot more flexibility i think the challenge for school michigan and every other school is trying to recruit kids is you could strategically kind of know where you were in the visit packing order and if you got a kid's last visit you knew it was his last visit because he only gets five you could really try to close the deal well now you could feel like it's gonna be his last visit because he's taken five and then Somebody else says, hey, we'll fly you out. Someone totally off the radar, some, you know, coaching changes made. You know, look how much happens from the end of the regular season until National Signing Day, right? Like that window of time where a lot of guys have made their decisions. So you think of a, think of a high school kid that committed to a school. Uh, what's an example? Committed to Nebraska last cycle. Coaching change, right? Now, but you've used all five of your visits. You're not really comfortable with the change there. And, and you don't have the means to make that trip. Now... Oregon can invite you out. Texas can invite you out. Michigan can invite you out. So, you know, in, in the former uh, policy, Nebraska, even though those changes are made, are still feeling pretty good because of, you know, the other one of his other finals was Michigan State, who's filled his position, right? Now, you, now it just opens up all kinds of different stuff. So I think it's great for the players. It's just going to be much more challenging for the schools to, you know, build their you – know, we talked about offensive line recruiting – Michigan's trying to land that plane and, you know, get their six guys in. And it's, it's, it's April, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, National Signing Day is not till February. So uh, I think it just adds another layer of challenge for every one of these recruiting staffs. Yeah, Matt, anything, anything come up for you when that, that rule change came out? I mean, I, I, I wasn't really sure what it would affect. It just sounded like it was, it was kind of like Brian said, but anything for you? Yeah, no, it's very interesting. I think uh, that one of the most interesting things that that I immediately saw was that uh, their recruits are no longer required to take five visits uh, to go to, to these schools that they're visiting. So maybe you get a recruit that's a little bit more sure of what he wants, the situation that's being offered to him doesn't need to go through all the rah-rah, you know, and back and forth of, of playing off as if he's interested in, in certain schools when he's not, you know. So I think that's uh, a little bit more interesting. But other than that, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely uh, a, another change in the uh, world of college football that 
uh, is going to throw things for a spin, but we'll see how it goes. Well, in the world of professional basketball, uh, the Wolverines have a few guys still playing. Brian, do you call? Do you you follow the basketball team as well, right? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, love the basketball. But I'm a grew up a huge NBA family. You know, when I was a kid, the Pistons were pretty good, and Dad was fortunate enough to have season tickets, so we used to go to all those games. So I'm a big NBA fan. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty locked in. Heck yeah! Well, I, I'm just holding out for when uh, Franz Wagner. It hits a playoff game here sometime soon because his development has been really special to watch. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now we've you know we've got to resort to Karis Levert, Jordan Poole, and Duncan Robinson in the playoffs, and so I think the answer here is obvious, but maybe not. Let me let me ask: uh, Who do you think is going to have the greatest impact for his respective team in the playoffs from those three guys that I just listed? Well, I think, you know, the easiest answer is Poole, right? He gets the most minutes and plays the most significant role. But a surprising answer, you know, developing news from last night is, I don't know if you watched the Heat game, but Tyler Hero broke his hand. And I don't know how severe that is and how long he's going to be out. But, you know, Duncan Robinson's role the last three, four months has diminished to almost nothing. He has a lot Mm -hmm. of DNP coaches' decisions. And so now all of a sudden he can be thrust into a role where he's getting a lot of minutes. And he's a volume-type guy, I think, He's he has value to a team when he can give you minutes. He's not the type of guy, in my opinion, he's not the type of guy that can come in and give you four six minutes of quality minutes. You know, he, he relies on volume. And so if he can get 13, 20 minutes a night somewhere in that range and give himself a chance to loosen up and hit a couple shots, I think he got a really big role. And obviously, if he gets hot, he plays a lot more minutes. So the easy answer is pool, but my heart would love to see Duncan Robinson light it up and have a nice little run for the heat. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to measure impact, right? Like, I don't know if we're talking like average points per game. I think pool is the safe answer if that's the case. But if you're talking about maybe some big shots in a game six or seven, like Duncan Robinson could easily do that. Karis Levert, uh, he's he's kind of all over the place. He can give you 40 points one night and then, you know, two points the next. So, Matt, let me ask you the same question. Who do, who do you think is going to have the greatest impact in the NBA playoffs? Well, I uh, I love Brian's answer, honestly. You know, I'm a big uh, I'm a big Duncan Robinson guy. I would love to see uh, his role pick up a little bit more. I don't think that uh, that he's sailed his last ship just yet. You know what I mean? So I would love for uh, for Duncan Robinson to take on a bit of a unsung hero type role. Uh, but you know, the obvious answer is going to be Poole. Uh, Karis Levert, he's great for. For uh, some spontaneous, you know, great games, uh, not the type of impact that's going to measure up against uh, against Jordan Poole himself, but uh, you know, still some some interesting things there with the Heat. I'd like to. I'm going to monitor that a little bit to see if uh, <laughs> they give Dunk some minutes. Yeah, I don't know how serious um, Tyler Hero's injury is. You know, the other thing is the other guy they have on the bench playing that same position is Victor Oladipo. That guy's just been, you know, so much talent and man, he just injuries have just crushed that guy. I loved watching him play. And even, you know, during spurts of his NBA career, he's been really good. He's just buried on the bench there. Yeah, Duncan Robinson's been a bit of a head scratcher because he was like the fastest to six hundred threes in history, like faster than Steph Curry or anybody. And it looked like, oh man, he's got like he might end up retiring as the greatest three point shooter of all time. <laughs> And then uh, they paid him, right? He got the big contract. And then they're like, oh, we're just not, we're not going to play you anymore. And, and I think I get it. He's, he's a little, I mean, I wouldn't call him a liability on defense, but, you know, he's a, he, he has trouble uh, giving a complete game, you know, at the NBA level. And so it, it makes sense. But uh, yeah, if Tyler Hero broke his hand, we, we might see Duncan Robinson going, you know, six for eight from the, from the stripe and and giving Poole a run for his money, but I think all signs point towards uh, Jordan Poole kind of kind of being that guy, and then we'll see how uh, Cleveland uses Karis Levert. And you know, th- the other thing is, I just think that Golden State is more likely to advance far in the playoffs just based on their historical ability to do so. Um, all right, back to football. That was our little basketball aside. As basketball fans of Michigan, we've all been depressed now for a few months yeah. anyway. So we'll move past that, even though we've got some good recruits that we landed. You know, so there's, there is some yeah, reason. Portal to be, activity is, is just uh, underway. Yeah. 
Yeah, Jawan's hitting the portal, and I, I I assume he's not done based on based on some of the rumors I'm hearing. Um, but anyway, so Blake Corum made uh, made a, a, a headline that I actually read on uh, Blue by Ninety's site. Uh, he struck an NIL deal with uh, Derek Jeter's company, which was pretty cool. Like I kind of breezed past that, but I threw it in the show notes just because I just love that. Um, the reason why it's significant to me is I love seeing Michigan players making money because because that, that you know to me those types of headlines uh, are what's going to attract recruits nowadays because it's not all about um, well it is at Michigan all about winning but I, unfortunately the landscape of co- of high school recruiting is not all about going to the best program sometimes it's about where guys think they can get paid and so. That was really cool to see. And then, of course, Derek Jeter has his Michigan connections. And so uh, it's, it's fun to see there. But uh, do you guys think, I mean, e- either one of you guys, feel free to jump in. Do you guys think Michigan is um, able to compete at the highest level from an NIL standpoint? Are they, are they cream of the crop, uh, blue blood, you know, top tier NIL now, or are they still lagging behind like a lot of us were complaining about uh, several months ago? I can't do I can't that in two parts. One, right now, not at all. We, if you're a fan of Michigan football, you need Blake Corum to get paid, and you need that to be broadcast everywhere. The, the model that they're using as of this moment, you know, Monday evening, uh, is they're saying, come to Michigan, and, we'll, and you do well in the field, and we'll get you paid. And so they need to have that proof in the pudding to say, yeah, Blake Quorum came here, he's produced, and now he's making all this money. Hunter Dickinson came here, made all this money. J.J. McCarthy's making all this money. They need to have these case studies and examples to show to recruits. Like, we're not just saying it. It's not just a saying, hey, come here, we'll get you paid. We may not pay you up front. You know, Harbaugh's been pretty vocal about, we don't want to just give you a bag of money just to sign your name online. And who knows what kind of production you're going to have here. Um, so that's part one. Part two, they're working really, really hard. Um, I know a couple of different guys, a couple of guys by 90, but are working on a couple of the IL initiatives, and they're working on some really aggressive strategies that could put them up front. Um, you know, one of the NIL initiatives that I think is just is super close, it's been teased to be done, but it's it's similar to what Oklahoma rolled out a couple of years ago, and that's a base salary for every guy, that's, every scholarship player on the team. So if you're a scholarship, we're going to pay you a base salary, and the numbers I've heard have been – you know, better than some kids get coming out of college to start just to be on the team. And then then they don't put a limit or cap on what you can make if you're a Blake Quorum or J.J. McCarthy or whomever. But um, not there yet. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't know the way that they've operated for the last 50 years or, you know, not that any of us have followed for that long, but that they'll ever be that one that's just going to put the big bag of money just to sign the dotted line. But they can... They can certainly make themselves competitive and then add in all the other benefits that Michigan's always had, and I think they can level the field. But I think as it stands right now, there's still a pretty good gap between them and some of the Southern schools that are just paying kids to come. Yeah, Matt, you, you, do you kind of agree with Brian there? Yeah, I would say uh, it's getting better. You know, it's come miles from where it was uh, 365 days ago. So I will say that. Um, is it on the level of, say, uh, like Florida or, uh, or any of these SEC schools or, or big-name Southern schools, really, for that matter? No, it's not. It's not even close. But, uh, you know, I think that, that there is a lot of encouragement there. Valiant Management Group, they've been a big one to step up in a huge way. <laughs> really, they're... Uh, responsible in large part for for salvaging Michigan's NIL situation this year, but they've been a big a big player. Um, I know Jim Harbaugh has been doing what he can. I know that there's some gears turning and things in the works, but uh, getting better. No, not where you'd like to see it exactly uh, from from a fan perspective or follower of the program. But I think by uh, by next year, maybe. Uh, maybe a little bit after that, you'll start to to really see it start to pick up a little bit. But I'm really not a huge, uh, I really don't have a huge argument, honestly, about the way that it's worked up to this point. You know, you, you obviously, I, I agree with Brian 100%. You want people to know that Blake Corum is getting paid. 
and you really you want everyone on that's making an impact on that football team to be getting paid. I don't necessarily agree to the fact that that everyone on the team should be on a payroll. I really kind of am in agreement with how they've run it up to this point to to a level, but that uh, does need to get considerably better in in areas of paying your highest performing guys and things like that uh, before it can even be considered close to one of the the most efficient NIL practices in the country. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. here's how well, I one see thing it. Is, I think, no. oh, sorry, Mike. No, I, go I, ahead, I Brian. Think, you know, there's some position, you, you look at the recruiting board and you look at recruiting, you, you see positions like the offensive line that were in really good shape, running back really good shape, and you see the success and track record. There's not many programs that can talk that have the elite edge NFL production, guys going to the league and getting paid that Michigan has. And you look at their recruiting board at the edge position the last couple of cycles and you think, why is it not better? Well, the, the edges are commanded. The, the cost to get an edge to even come to campus now, you know, a lot of NIL, NIL money is being thrown there because they, they're such different makers at the college level. And so, They've had a lot of guys really interested in coming and, and very interested in the track record and the success and the coaching staff that we have. And then it gets time to get on the plane. And it's like, okay, for me to come, I'm going to need X. And Michigan said no. And so there's been, so there's been a few guys that, you know, if you follow it closely, there's some big name guys that we look like there was full steam ahead. And then all of a sudden they're not on campus. And so, you know, there's, the, there's still part of that that's going to hold them back and, you know, Matt, to your point, I don't really object to it that much because as much as I'd like to do it and, and excel at every area of the program, I just don't know that you want to pay some high school kid just to make the trip, uh, cut him a check. I'll right? tell you what I look at, too. And I look at Michigan's success in the portal and guys that they've got leaving in the portal, which is really next to nothing, you know. So there are certain aspects of the way that Michigan is running this NIL initiative that they have right now that is successful in ways that that people really aren't seeing, which is that you're getting loyal guys in the door that are developing. And God knows that Michigan is good at developing some motherfuckers. Pardon my French, but, (laughs) you know, they're doing a hell of a job getting these guys in the door, developing them. And, you know, I'm not really sold on the fact that you need to need to pay these guys the farm just to come to campus when the guys that are interested in that type of thing are the first guys to transfer whenever the season doesn't go the way that they like it. And, you know, that's kind of a, a cop out to the question a little bit, like a little bit of Michigan biased there. But. You know, I, I'm in agreement a little bit with how they've been running it. Should it get better? Yes. Is it is it all right with how it's going right now? Also, yes, to an extent. Yeah, yeah and, they, and they, you know sorry. But. No, I was just gonna say I, I I could I couldn't agree with both of you more, right? The product on the field so far for Michigan, which is the most important thing at the end of the day, is looking pretty damn good. And and I and I think that we can we have a formula to keep it looking pretty damn good, right? Have a good recruiting class, have have a guy like Ben Herbert and a strong strong coaching staff develop these guys that are that are committed to Michigan, like actually committed to Michigan. And I, I think one of the best things that happened for the Michigan approach were these teams like Texas A&M who, you know, year one, were just paying dudes to to show up, got the number one recruiting class, and then they didn't win anything, and they all left, and and that de incentivizes the schools to do that, and it also de incentivizes the players to become a part of that. And I'm I'm gonna get myself in trouble here because I married into an Aggie family, so now I'm gonna okay. hear from them if they listen to this. But but uh, yeah, I mean it it can be tough when when guys are just like here's seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars up front to play. But the type of athlete that 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 Michigan uh, may may target anyway because they're such a, an academically strong program is going to think these things through. Well, who's the most watched team? Typically, it's Michigan. Who's got the largest, you know, alumni base? Michigan is up there in the top tier. Um, who who's developing into NFL talent? Michigan is is way up there. Who sells the most merchandise, right? That's really relevant for NIL. Well, typically Michigan's right near the top. And so 
Um, it's, it, it's a little bit more of an equation and it takes a little bit of patience for these guys to see the payoff. And that's why Blake Corum is such a, such an important piece of the puzzle. JJ McCarthy is such an important piece of the puzzle. Cause if, if we can see what they're getting paid and they didn't get money up front, um, then other athletes can see a path towards, uh, getting a little bit of money. Yeah. Yeah. Put Texas A&M, what, they have like 35 guys in the transfer portal this, this last <laughs> cycle. I mean, gosh. I'm telling uh, you, man, like the proof mm-hmm. is in the pudding, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that you don't want like the highest ranked draft class and that you shouldn't spend money in a day where you've got to spend money. But at the same time, like I don't want half of the Michigan Wolverines in the transfer portal, you know, mm-hmm. especially for money, financial related purposes. I'd rather just keep the expectations clear and. You know, uh, I mean, pay pay these guys like Blake Corum. Blake Corum better be making like some fat stacks right now that none of us know about or something. But, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I think I think you know the the, the trouble with that is that uh, not the trouble because I agree with your sentiments a hundred percent. Is the program is in such a good place and we're right there. You know, they return more talent this year than just about anybody. They have a returning quarterback. You look at the top five, eight, ten teams. I mean, Florida State returns their quarterback. USC obviously returns their quarterback. But just about everybody else is kind of open. The next guy is the guy. Uh, you're right there. And I, I feel like anyone that follows it closely, and obviously the national narrative, is that you need a couple more blue-chip guys, elite athletes, to make the difference in those really big games. And, you know, I mean, if, if you watch it closely, and I know we all do, is – and you kind of agree with that sentiment. Like, yeah, if we had a couple more really elite athletes to kind of make the difference, you know, that would have been nice. Uh, and so I feel like we're, we're so close. And the difference between, uh, you know, you, you touched on the culture thing. I think that one of the greatest things Jim Harbaugh has done in his tenure here is recognizing some of the challenges there and making the change to go to a younger uh, staff that can relate to the team. I mean, everyone that comes to Michigan, the players, former players, current players, recruits, all talk about how it's just such a noticeable uh, family culture at Michigan. And a lot of schools will say that, and they're, they're, that, that sentiment is everyone's trying to make their program, if you work at any job, they're trying to make it feel that way. But, uh, you know, there's a real difference there. And uh, so they have that. They just need to get a couple more, you know, move it just a notch up. Well, and this is a really good se- segue to uh, one of the main reasons I was so excited to invite you onto the show is you do a really good job tracking. Uh, which recruits are interested? Who, you know, who who's coming to Michigan? Who might not be the official visits? You know, crystal ball leaders and all that. And so, uh, you know, I want to transition to that. I've been really excited about that. Before we dive all the way in, I've got a little bit of Wolverine Chronicle house cleaning I got to do here. So, I, anybody that follows me knows I, on Wolverine Chronicle, I'm always giving away T-shirts. And this this week, the t- you know the T-shirt giveaway is being announced right here on the Big House Bleachers podcast. So the winner is for the Jordan Brand Michigan t-shirt that was posted just two days ago, Justin Buechler uh, at Beeks5514. Justin, reach out to me. Get your free t-shirt, man. Congratulations. All right, let's transition to a little bit of recruiting and look at Double BB's (laughs) big board. Um, and Brian, you just sent over an updated big board for us. So I'm going to pull that up. Uh, I've got, I've got a question that's been really on the forefront of my mind. Um, since Jordan Marshall committed, I've been, uh, you know, very interested in a, another player from Texas, oddly enough, uh, Taylor Tatum, Taylor Tatum came out of the woodwork. He's really one of the top, you know, I would say unanimously top five in the nation running back, maybe as high as number one or number two. Uh, do we still have a chance with with Taylor Tatum, given the fact that Jordan Marshall committed, or do you think that he might be looking around at other options? I don't think Jordan Marshall uh, impacts Taylor's decision at all. I think if you look at most top programs, most of the top classes, they all have two running backs. Everyone that follows Michigan knows that Quorum's gone after this year. Most experts think Donovan Edwards gone. So you're going to have a wide open room. I mean, there's talent there. We like what we saw from Benjamin Hall, but there's not that top level guy. So, um, you know, the, there's room. So I don't, I don't think that moves the needle. It's just he's he's one of the very few guys that are top 50 consensus across all four recruiting services. You know, I mean, that's unique. 
you know. Um, so everyone realizes he's a star. I think right now it's a Michigan USC battle, believe it or not. And the the real big thing working in Michigan's favor that I don't know everyone knows about is he's a dual sport athlete. He, he's he's just as likely to go play professional baseball. And so the way he came to Michigan wasn't to the football team, it was through the baseball team. And so the Michigan baseball team was the first school to offer him a baseball scholarship. So he's been he's been a Michigan baseball lean for much longer than he was ever involved in the football program. And so USC's got a nice baseball program too, but um, part of what got so much momentum and excitement for people in, in Ann Arbor was that he had not only had a great meeting with Harbaugh and the football staff, but he had an amazing uh, visit with the baseball staff. I think one of the guys in the staff uh, is somehow connected to him. I don't, I'm not that tied into baseball recruiting, but I think there's a, there's a connection from previous lives there. So that's kind of what they have going for us. He, he's come off back-to-back trips out to USC, and obviously if you're a skill position player and playing for Lincoln Riley, that's, that's enticing. I mean, that'd be, you know, and you see what they, what he likes to do with his uh, offensive skill players, but I think they still really like where they're at with him. Um, I think they need to get him, everyone that knows it, they need to get him back on campus and have him feel all, get all the feels again. Right. Like, and so I think that's going to be the, the deal is can they get him back on campus? And that's a challenge with all these big name guys is they're, Again, there's just 16, 17, 18 year old kids, and they're easily swayed. And you know, whoever gets that last visit has a big advantage. So I think he's planning on a June trip back, um, and they're hoping they can keep him to that. He'll obviously be in the middle of his baseball season then. But Matt, and, uh, do you, does anything pop? Does anything pop up for you looking at this amazing big board? It's like the most comprehensive recruiting. <laughs> uh, Michigan football recruiting thing I can find on the internet. This is awesome right here. I'm sitting here just prowling it. But uh, I want to give you some space here, Matt. It is. Uh, hang it in the Louvre, as they say on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's very intricate, Brian. Very great job on this thing. Um, and you. to your to your point, Donovan Edwards, uh, is, I think he even came out and said uh, when Blake Corum made his announcement that he was coming back, that, that Donovan has intentions of leaving after this season. Yeah. So. I think that uh, that it's a fair sentiment to think that that Taylor Tatum, everything's still on the table with him. Obviously, he's got that the West Coast allure calling him a little bit. So we'll see. But my question, uh, Brian, really weighs in more on the receiving end. You know, obviously they've got several uh, several names out there that they're eyeballing. Um, a few crystal balls out on some of them. Nothing really promising reeled in uh, for wide receiver in this class yet. I know they've uh, they've got some some uh, high school teammates of Jaden Davis that they're tracking down. Um, so there's that, and then also uh, Gatlin Bear. I think it's how you say his last name. Just announced his top five. Of those names and any other possibles that you might have in the back of your mind, who do you think uh, signs with Michigan in this class at the wide receiver position? Well, I mean, when you just look at the position as a whole, I think when you look at the big board and you look at who they've had in for visits, wide receiver, being honest with ourselves, wide receiver has been the least impressive group so far. You know, I mean, in terms of they've, they've brought in top two, three, four, top 15 at every position across the board. They've had the big name guys. They've had, you know, they've got their shots. Wide receivers, we really haven't had that many big name guys in there. I mean, there's been a lot of guys that have put us, it seems like Michigan is in every top five right now these days. Right? And it says a good thing about the uh, brand because I don't think, you know, I think I, I've always thought that the kids have like the one or two schools that they're strongly considering. And then they look at all their offers and say, what are the other labels that will be most impressive on my top five? You know, exactly. There's, there's been top fives that Michigan's on. I'm like, I don't think kids ever been to campus. Uh, you know, I don't think Jim Harbaugh would recognize if he walked into his office right now. And somehow Michigan's in his top five. But Gallon Blair is a name that I'm really intrigued with. He's uh, super fast. Uh, you know, one of the fastest kids in the country. Um, I, I don't. You know, he's from Idaho. So, you know, so, so think of Colston Loveland and and the record they have there. Those two have a relationship. So Michigan has that going for him. He's one of the fastest risers in terms of recruiting rankings. And so. You know, people see the tapes of uh, much like Nicholas Harbor of the last cycle and see how fast he is. And uh, I guess speed's exciting and 
It is, but I, I don't know how good of a receiver is. But he's ranked really highly, and Michigan's in his top five. If you look at the other schools in his top five, I, I, when you saw it, I'm sure you were a bit surprised like I was. It wasn't the people you're used to seeing. And so um, he, I think they're in a great shit sp space with him. He's from Idaho, same place as Colston Loveland. Obviously, Colston came here uh, and had immediate success and has loved his time here, and, he's, and their families are friends. He's hearing that. Because he's so involved in track, he hasn't made a trip to campus yet. And so I think once they get him here, I know they have that scheduled. Once he gets here, I think that's he's probably the biggest name on the board. I think the next, you know, you talked about most likely, I would expect one of uh, Jaden Davis's teammates, Channing Goodman, he could commit tonight. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's... I think most of the insiders believe he's one of the next guys that are going to come in. I think that's all but done. It, their other team teammate, Jordan Ship, I think he's looking around. I think he wants to enjoy the process more. I mean, uh, if you've seen the interviews and the times he's had, I mean, they're obviously all close. And I think, I mean, how do you not? They're, they were class today together, right? Like, how do you not have a conversation about, hey, I'm coming, I'm coming? Um, Another guy that's, I think, in really good shape is James Madison, which is kind of funny. The basketball team just landed George Washington, and now yeah. we George Washington and James Madison on campus. We got a lot of fun with that. Some, some NIL money would uh, come in just on that alone, right? Uh, other names that I think are out there, the kid out of Illinois, um, I'm Marion Stewart, has been a long lead. I mean, I think most people have thought he's going to be in the class. There hasn't been a lot of noise about him going other places. I think they feel really good about where they're at with that, with him. Um, and then the rest is going to see how the season plays out. I mean, I think they're going to they're going to need to sign three to five kids at the at the wide receiver position. And you know, last cycle, I think they're excited about a couple of guys they brought in, but no one that we signed in the class of 2023 were highly rated, coveted guys. So um, this would make two cycles in a row where that's not the case. And you trust the evaluators, but you'd sure like to see a little bit more blue chip talent coming through that position. Well, you got to think that these these wide receivers they want at least uh, their ceiling to be a thousand yard receiving season, right? Like they want the opportunity for that, and then and then you look at a team like Michigan who has a very clear identity, which is run the damn ball. And, run the uh, damn ball. But but I think what's going to happen, uh, you know, this is my prediction. Uh, not that I know anything, but this is my prediction anyway. I think JJ is going to shatter that touchdown record this year. And I think that's going to go a long way. Guys are going to start to look at Michigan and, and you know, consider them as a, as a passing threat as well. And, and with, with Jaden Davis waiting in the wings, you know, after JJ's gone back to back five-star quarterbacks, I, I think next year is when we see um, the, the five-star receivers start to consider a place like Michigan because I mean, quite frankly, right now, if I was a five-star you know, receiver and I was looking at my options, Michigan wouldn't be the first place that I looked just based on the fact that, I mean, even guys that are somewhat highly recruited guys like an A.J. Henning of the world, right? He, he struggles to even get on the field. And so, you know, I, I think it'll take another year before we start to see that. Um, let me ask you guys this. I, I, let's go around. I've, I've got an idea in my head, but... Um, Brian, who who do you think is the next guy to commit? Well, I mean, I think the easy answer is Jake Garnero, the center that's you know that they think it's got a scheduled date, and uh, so he makes a lot of sense. Um, and he's scheduled to commit this Friday, so if someone commits, it's going to have to be in the next three days. Um, if I had to throw it, throw names out there, guys that seem like they're close, that seem like they could potentially be in the fold already. Um, I already mentioned Channing Goodwin. He's one that I think they feel really, really confident about. Another one is in the, you know Michigan's own uh, Michigan guy and Jeremiah Beasley. Um, I think he's a guy that's close. Uh, and then one that would you know the tight end Brady Prescorn. Uh, yeah, you know he's he's played it really quiet. You know, and I think he would. I sounds like he was pretty close a couple of weeks ago to pulling the trigger, and there were some leaks and that sort of thing. And I think that kind of scared him off. So. He's he's someone that's pretty close, and another guy that I, probably the guy I'm most excited not most excited one of the guys I'm more excited about the linebacker Aaron Childs. So I Aaron think among those guys, along with Max Anderson, who's crystal ball that we talked about earlier in the offensive line, I think that's the group of guys that you have to consider for the next few commits. Yeah, Brady Prescorn was going to be my my pick just because mm -hmm. it it makes sense, pick. right? He clearly uh, had a, a strong connection with the guys that were visiting that weekend and. That you know that picture went out, and that they're all committed now. And so, 
Um, for the record, that's my pick, even though um, I don't know if he has any official date set or not. Uh, Matt, you want to, uh, you know, put your balls on the line out here and pick one and see see who wins this battle? Well, I uh, I had already been eyeing uh, Garnera. I think that he's definitely going to be pulling the trigger on Michigan. Uh, when you look at a little bit of his recruitment up to this point, it seems like everything's pointing towards the Wolverines. I would say, honestly, uh, Channing Goodwin really is a, a, a certain possibility. Um, I know that he's a little bit heavier of a lean, I believe, Brian, if I'm not mistaken, uh, than his other his other teammate, his other wideout yeah. teammate. Uh, but I think yeah. that at least at least outwardly, yeah. I think yeah. that uh, he's a certain possibility. I'd really like to see some cards fall on the defensive side of the ball. I, I know we need that bad. Um, I know we got Jake Jake Odin, and uh, he's he's going to be a good piece in that class. But Brian, what do you see on the what are you seeing on the defensive side of the ball for uh, just some some possibilities that might be floating around out there for some big gets? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing has been neat about the commits real quick, just a, a little bit, to finish what you were, ta- we were just talking about, is it seems like they they know who the next five, six guys are. It, it, it's been really nice. We've been, uh, every week, a guy, you know, I think we were all excited, thinking, okay, let's let's hammer this out and do a bunch in a day. It's been like one a week. They have 12 commits in April. This time last year, they had five. And one of them decommitted. So four guys ended up in our class last time. Uh were in the fold at this time last year. You know, so they're just, they're way ahead of schedule. Um, defensively, in terms of next, or just who I feel strong about? Because I, I think... Uh, just uh, just who you feel good about. I won't ask you to make any, like, gutsy predictions or anything, but if you had to just rattle off a couple names that you think you're, uh, you're feeling all, uh, pretty good about. I think, uh, well, obviously I mentioned bees that one name that was seen like a lock just a couple of weeks ago, just a seems like less of a lock now and that's brian robinson a guy that's been to campus like six or seven times he's yeah. you know i mentioned the cost of doing business in the the edge market and i don't know if that's playing a role but he was you know if you read any interviews with him or seen any of the videos with him i mean he was as michigan as anybody in this class and now that seems like he's exploring his options again 17 year old kid uh seems like a great kid seems like he works his tail off and posts videos of him running up hills and all kinds of other stuff and uh, but you know, he was the guy that I was kind of counting for on the edge board. You get past him, I think they're still t- going to take a shot with Elijah Rushing. Um, the Smith, there's two twin brothers, Jacob and Jared Smith. I think that they're heavy Ohio State leans are Ohio kids, but they made some progress there. Uh, defensive end out of Maryland, Darian Mayo. I think they still. They get, I think if they get him on campus, um, Elston's a heck of a recruiter and has a great story to sell uh, on the edge on the defensive. Uh, line, they got, there's a bunch of guys that they feel good about. Jordan Thomas, I think, is a guy they're feeling pretty good about. I mean, they need to get him back on campus, but they feel good. Obviously, the Michigan Brandon Davis line, who's been around forever, knows the guys, a bunch of guys in the teams and a bunch of relationships. And there was, for a long time, there were concerns about his fit and the way that, you know, he, he didn't play the kind of defensive tackle that Elson likes to feature. And so there was concerns there, but I guess that a lot of that's been alleviated. So there's many that think he'll be in the fold soon. Uh, the linebackers, we talked about Childs, we talked about uh, Beasley. There's a few other guys on the board. Braden Platt, a guy out of Washington, if you, they can get him to lose, leave the West Coast, he's a fast riser, getting a ton of offers, super fast, super athletic linebacker. He'd be a good one. Corner's a little bit of a concern right now. Um, if you ask me, again, three weeks ago, you had two Ohio State corners, and you thought, gosh, we're going to get land one of them. And now they're both, you know, they're both getting tons of crystal balls to go to Ohio State. And so then the board gets a little thin, and I think we've put a lot of eggs in that basket. Now, Coach Klink is a heck of a recruiter, and I'm pretty sure he's in Ohio today <laughs> and tomorrow visiting those guys. You know, he's, gonna, he's not going to go down without a fight, right? And he's going to try to rekindle some of those feels uh, with those guys and salvage that. But, uh you know, they're, that's a position they're going to have to go deep in this core this summer. I, I would expect to see a bunch of offers go out to kind of deepen that position. Well, I have a feeling we could go on and on for, for hours and yes. hours. Uh, 
pontificating and guessing yeah, and speculating. Guessing, speculating right? Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stop us there. Cause I got a little one-year-old that I got to go put to bed here in a few minutes. But, um, you know, before we wrap up entirely, I think we just need to acknowledge the recruiting elephant in the room, which is, you know, Michigan fans and Michigan nation we were happy. We were right up there near the top. We were kind of taking jabs at Ohio state about the team rankings and, you know, I'm not afraid to acknowledge, okay, Ohio State made a run, which we knew they were going to. Uh, they've got a very talented recruiting class. I think, Brian, I think you sent us that they're number one right now. Is that, yeah. is that right? So yeah, they've the, shot the, up to the number, number one. Number one in the country just decommitted from Georgia and flipped to Florida State. Look at that. They backdoored their way into the number one recruiting ranking. It just yeah. never ends. Uh-huh. You, you know what's unique about it? Not to belabor so you can put your one-year-old to bed, but. If you look at Michigan standing at the third recruit, they both have 12 commits. Michigan's got a bunch of big boys, and they got a bunch of little small guys. They have running backs and wide receivers and defensive backs. It always looks good on tape, always looks good on the recruiting rankings because a five-star 180-pound guy counts the same as a five-star 320-pound guy, right? But football's not won by 180-pound guys. And so they can have, you know, they, they brag about their, and they should brag, they recruit at an elite level at that wide receiver position. And they've had the best wide receivers in the country the last two years and got smashed. And so mm-hmm. they can keep having these impressive recruiting classes with a bunch of small little fast guys and put them to the NFL. But I'm not worried about receivers beating us. I'll keep, we'll keep winning in the trenches and we'll just keep, keep stacking W's against those guys. I couldn't have said it better myself. You you build this team from the inside out because now if you take a team like Michigan and you do and we do see those skill position players uh, next year and the year after start to add on to that, then you've got you know Georgia basically, right? Then mm-hmm. then you've got a team that that is legitimately winning national championships. And so, um, all right, man, let's go ahead and wrap up. Brian, where can people follow you if they're interested in, in checking you out on Twitter or anywhere else? Uh, BB's Big House. That's it. That's, Cage- a, that's a good follow. B- <laughs> BB's Big House. I highly recommend it to everybody. Matt, where can people follow you? Uh, they can follow me at Maze Crusader or uh, any of the stuff that uh, me and my friends are putting out at Maze and Brew, uh, mazeandbrew.com or at Maze and Brew if you want to follow their Twitter handle. And if anybody wants to yell at me and tell me why I'm wrong or call me an idiot for any of my takes, feel free to hit me up uh, at Wolverine Cron on Wolverine Chronicle. Uh, and then there's WolverineChronicle.com uh, in YouTube. I got a, a lot of stuff floating around out there. But Brian, you're, you're, you're a part of the family now. You're, you're always welcome back. Uh, Big House Twitter Podcast. We'll have you back uh, when football season rolls around. But uh, for now, as always... Go blue. Go blue. Go blue. Thanks, guys.